Mana 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 this is social discasting welcome to social discasting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a member of both the sketch group the birthday boys and the band the sloppy boys whose truly excellent new album paradiso is out now as well as a writer on i love you america michael bolton's big sexy valentine's day special and comedy bang bang amongst many others please welcome the cat man tim kalpakis welcome Hey, how's it going? Uh, thanks for referring to me as the weird name that Mike Mitchell calls me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just thought if somebody didn't know Tim Kalpakis, they would know the Catman. Like, oh, okay, the Catman. Yeah, yeah. That thing that everyone knows you as. Oh, yes, yes, yes the Catman. <laughs> that was um, one of those, I think that I probably started it myself and then forgot about it, where we went to Ithaca College and the bus in Ithaca is the Tompkins County Auto Transit, the TCAT. Mm-hmm. And so I started calling myself. I think I signed some emails in college as TCAT, joking that because I was like, first I was signing emails as <laughs> T-Man and T-Dude and wore out a T-Bone probably. And then <laughs> and then signed an email as TCAT, referring to this Ithaca <laughs> bus. And then Mitch, I think, is just like the the only person who took that. As, I guess Tim goes by TCAT now, and it's been fifteen <laughs> years. Fifteen years, and he calls me TCAT. That's amazing. I love that. So, like I said before, the inevitable, ever loaded question of just how are you? I'm great. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel bad for people who are not doing great. Both in in the in the big sense of I feel bad about people who are dealing with some real serious stuff yeah. now and dying and all that. And that uh, a heart goes out to all of that. But then even just on the level of other friends that are struggling with work from home and quarantine type stuff, I feel bad uh, uh, for them as well, because I personally, this lifestyle kind of <laughs> kind of suits me and it has not been that bad for me. So uh, I feel uh, kind of lucky, I guess. It's that weird thing where, like, of course, certain people, like, they just don't, outside of the psychic mindfuck that is just a pandemic that's out there, but some people, like, their lives have not been disrupted, and it's just kind of the way it worked out, or they were, in some ways, un- unintentionally preparing for this type of lifestyle, like, the entire time, and yeah. then it just worked out, where, relatively speaking, the ripple effect was minimal. So, like, do you go out a lot with everything going on? You just wear the requisite mask and keep your distance and things like that or not? Only more recently am I kind of trying to get back to some normal stuff and then wearing a mask and distancing while doing it. But we definitely, me and my wife had a long stretch of being, like, fully locked down and not doing anything. But I still go outside a lot. I I jog every day and I walk around my neighborhood a lot and was doing that the whole time. So I never felt particularly cooped up. So now I'm, like poking into the and i've done like i'll go to a friend's backyard and hang out 10 feet away from them and and that type of thing but i guess i've I've gone to maybe a small handful of outdoor restaurant kind of temporary setups where where you can order at a window and sit outside and i'm trying to not push it i don't really want to be on the front end of the of people trying stuff like that but i'm also just like if i have to get used to it i may as well try to like go have a drink in a parking lot somewhere and feel what that feels like but uh i am going out i go outside a lot that just helps me i guess 
I know exactly what you mean. Like, uh, it's funny, maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I just had the realization of, oh, this is kind of just what life is now, at least in the relative short term or, or, or longer term. But my thing of just staying as much as possible outside of, yeah, going outside and trying to get some fresh air. But, oh, this is just what life is now. So social distancing is something I should practice and I can see friends more just while taking the proper precautions. But in that moment, you kind of get lost in it. And then it's, okay, I just need to adapt to the quote unquote new norm. Yeah, I and I do think I'm like you were saying, I I think the new normal is a thing. I'm one of the people where that it just fit kind of into my life where the certain things that I miss and I'm just talking about like the little whiny stuff, you know, like I do know, I know, I I know a couple of people have had COVID and I, I, I know, you know, like a person who died from it and stuff like that. So that's like the real the real stuff. But in, in the like whiny little day-to-day complaining, I feel like I like Zooming more than I like meetings. And I li- like my day-to-day, I mean, I have a weird life because I'm a comedy writer. So I'm either working like 100% on a thing or I'm doing nothing and my life is like wide open. So I'm very much used to shutting down you know i can go six six months without a job and not even worry you know it's just sort of like that is what the business is like but on a day like today because i'm not working at the moment i was when this started and i was writing on a tv show that i got canceled because of covid so my summer right now is like kind of good because i'm doing a podcast with you now and then i have like a meeting with a production company in the middle of the day and then i have another podcast at night in normal life that would be like getting into my car and driving across town to go to a meeting and getting my parking validated and waiting in a waiting room and meeting yeah, somebody. Yeah. And then in the and podcasts would be driving to studios. I would have to be like doing a lot. But the fact that I can like fit anything I had to do today into my, I'm in my like home office and I'll get to eat lunch with my wife and it's like easy. So I think I, I prefer it. No, fair enough. Like, especially a place like Los Angeles that's so synonymous with, I mean, with obviously a lot of things, but one of them being <laughs> the absurd traffic of it takes you an hour to get 20, what is in most other places like 20 minutes. The distance in no way is indicative of the amount of time it's going to take to get there. Like you've probably saved literally hours today. So much. And it's the, that middle stuff that, that drains me because I'm used to the traffic and I don't, you know, like I got, I bought like a dumb old uh, convertible. So I like my car and I have my phone loaded up with like audible and, you know, podcasts and and Spotify and stuff. So I even like the driving, but what I hate to do is to like drive across town and then truly just like the middle stuff and the parking and everything to get to a meeting just for me to like pitch a TV show that they are never going to (laughs) buy. And (laughs) and then walking back down to my car being like, well, uh, that was maybe worth it. You know, there's just so much like meetings are, it's a numbers game. Right. And uh, like, I'm not an actor. I, I, did used to try to do some of that but i'm kind of like retired from auditioning but but auditioning was the worst because you truly if you audition for something you don't get the role it's not even bad news that's not even like you did anything wrong you just have to audition for 400 things and then you get one thing and that's how it works yeah so like the but the the production involved to doing that yeah right Uh, it it takes so much to get to that point and the audition is the shortest part of the entire process right and i think that that's a world i think we'll stay in this zone for acting i think that um my actor friends will put themselves on tape record an audition on their phone and email it in and then when they get a call back that'll be a live zoom call back and then yeah. they could fully book a role that is a way way better way for actors to live you know so hopefully we 
stay in that space. I hope I get to, I really miss going out to restaurants and I really miss my band getting to play live. But as far yeah. as meetings, I want to zoom for the rest of my life. It's the, the social aspects that feel, I mean, relatively speaking, like dire is just not how humans function. Yeah. You know, we're just social beings and to not have that, to have some form of like actual human connection. And yeah, you know, Zoom can do that relatively speaking, but it's almost like, you know, feeding off of that palpable energy of each other sure. is just something you can't replicate. And I really miss it. And, and, you know, to what I was saying earlier of realizing this is the new normal of, oh, I just need to be around friends because this is just how it's going to be for the foreseeable future. I hear what you're saying there. I definitely feel that the human connection thing is weird. And w when you do hang out with people, it's almost like jarring because I've never, hmm, maybe I've, the most people I've been around is, is like six friends where we were spread out in a backyard, kind of like some couples in like camping chairs, like two people, then a 10 feet and then two people and then 10 feet and, and like as far as a friend hang yeah that was like the most friends i've gotten together with and it, it's like super fun and you are like oh this is better than well that's something i feel like one-on-one -on -one zooms are fine but group zooms like when i hop on with like eight friends it's great to see all their faces but we're just talking over each other, each other the whole time oh, yeah i'm sure that's chaos yeah. You know, a couple of days ago, I went for just a kind of a standard doctor's appointment at a hospital. And it, was a, and it was the first time I've been out, at least in public in a way like that, with so many people. And it was truly, it was jarring and off-putting. And outside of obviously the, the psychic element of being at a hospital and fear of, oh, okay, this place where sick people go. Well, this isn't frightening at all. Right. But also just people there and remembering like, oh, social distancing. and it was, it was overwhelming. To be perfectly honest. That's too much to take in at once. You have to be like, you know, where you're have all the new rules in your head for like, I'm being yes. careful in instances when I don't even need to be, you know, it's like, oh, I'm talking to a friend that I know for a fact that they don't have COVID, but I'm still wearing my mask and I'm still not touching my friend. But we just do that because it's easier to just follow the rules at all times than it is to be like constantly bending them. But then when you are at like a hospital, like you're saying, an essential thing that has to happen and sick people are there, it's like you're faced with like, oh, this is the real shit. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, to your point, like remembering all the rules. But also I think that, that the thing that just messed with me the most was how it was the least control I've had in the entirety of all of this. Of yep. uh, there are so many other people of where they're going to do what they do and I have to be aware of that and spacing and rules and what I'm touching and what it was just like information overload. It was just so much. And honestly, I felt a little exhausted afterward. Yeah. No, I feel that too. I, I uh, any outing, like if you have to shop or go to the doctor or anything like that. You do come home and it's just like, oh, thank God I could forget about this for a second while I'm in my home. I've had one doctor's appointment and it was great because it was a video conference and it was, I was just like, hey, I uh, my prescription ran out. Can I re-up that same prescription? And they were like, yep, uh, no problem. And I was like, that saved me. I, I would have had to go to, like, I'm in the writer's guild, so I'd have to go to, like, just the dumb clinic that writers go to and wait and wait and wait and have a whole thing and, and the video was perfect in, in that instance but uh i don't know i also like socially and stuff like that are you uh is the pace of life where you live a because i feel i'm like from upstate new york I'm, i live in la and i've got friends in new york city and 
when I'm in New York City, I feel like everyone, um, I mean, most obvious thing in the world to, to compare New York and L.A., uh, you know, they have yeah. subways there, whereas we have uh, entertainment. Um, no, yeah, but, there's uh, both the like, hustle even, and bustle. Yes, they've got, we've got bustle here, but we don't have hustle. No, but uh, even like when I'm there, even aside from just like the obvious things, the pace of a day with people in New York I just, you spend less time in your apartment, so you do more things. And then just naturally scheduling out a night with New Yorkers tends to be like, hey, we're going to do these three things. And I always have a blast when I'm there. And I truly love New York. But me in my normal life, I'm kind of a guy that wants to do like one thing in the morning and then like one thing in the afternoon. And then I'm kind of done. And then if I'm going out at night, I'll go out at night. But I don't get off on like looking at my Google calendar and being like, oh, baby, I got a lot of stuff and I'm going to kill it today. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. I get stressed. If I have like more than two things on my calendar, I'm like, oh, fuck this day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the same. Like it's definitely uh, less is more for me. Like just the idea of a packed calendar. And it's that, that weird thing where in a way I'm like, I would like the idea or like the idea of like knowing what my day is in some ways, but I definitely don't. I mean, that's the exception and not the rule. Less is right. more. And it's kind of like, you know what? I'd rather check a few boxes than check a thousand as much as maybe the relief afterwards yeah. is going to be far more for the 18 versus the two. But yeah. I definitely, yeah, less is more. For sure. I try to arrange my day because I am, if I'm not like working on a production, then I'm, I've gotten used to just making my own schedule and it's, it's fully up to me, but like creating a structure that tricks my brain into thinking there's structure when I truly could, if I want to, I could do nothing for a month and then, then do a thousand things in one day and it would be fine. Yeah. But, yeah. but I tend to like parse things out where it's like, you know, if I have an empty week, I'll be like, well, these are writing. I'm working on a script of my own or I'm working on a new idea for something. And I'll like flag a week being like Monday, Tuesday. These are like creative days where I'm being a writer, man. And then Wednesday, it's like, that's the day I'm opening my mail and uh, and <laughs> yeah, and paying all my bills and stuff like that. And by like alternating, it makes me feel like I got something going on because otherwise I'm just like staring into an abyss. I do feel like I need some semblance of structure and because I could be, I'm kind of like my dad in that I could be absolutely aimless without a project, but yes. I also still want that dynamic. <laughs> I still want the control to dictate like what my day is. So yeah. uh, that doesn't really mesh well, obviously, but maybe mm -hmm. uh, it's just the, the duality of being a Gemini. I don't know who the fuck knows, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I'm definitely getting the duality Gemini vibes from you. Oh, I know. I just it's it's truly probable. Are you able to if you kind of create some structure? Mm -hmm. Can you make it feel real, or or do you bail on whether it's deadlines or like for me? Here's an example. Friday comes for me. <laughs> Friday Friday is meaningless. So it's so fun. At like Friday at five, I'll like make margaritas for me and my wife and be like, ooh, hey, we're done with a week and it's Friday. She is a <laughs> is an executive at a she works at BuzzFeed and she she's doing the thing of like nine to five job, you know, from home, zooming all day every day. So she has like weeks and, and days, so days mean something to her. <laughs> yes, they exist. And I think having her around makes it then like by proxy, they sort of exist for me. But I have been able to trick myself into clocking out Friday at five. And then like the weekend is the fun time. And then Monday morning, wake up and be like, well, time to 
get back to the grind even though nothing changed exactly. do you respect your own rules or do you uh start to like bail on them it depends on the day it's that thing where in my mind i try to remind myself the only person who hold me accountable to anything is me so mm-hmm. i try to remember that but it's like you sometimes just have these days where you're just like fuck everything yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's a really nice idea to do that and i wish i was as disciplined to be able to do it every day, but I'm just not. I just definitely try to, like, I don't know. I try to be fair to myself, uh, whatever that means, while also, like, not letting myself go wild at the same time. Right. It is a deeply imperfect science. Well, it's funny because I feel like the days, I don't know if it's like this year, but the days that are the bad days for me, it's like, it's just like a feeling in your body when you're like, ugh, fuck this. But I can still, like, <laughs> yeah. in my brain... Like, I don't feel any more, like, when I'm thinking it through, there's nothing really that sets me off and makes me, like, intellectually depressed, but I will just, like, physically, my body is like, this sucks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'll, we'll, yeah. we'll sometimes spend the whole day trying to kick that feeling and then be going to bed that night being like, no, I didn't kick the feeling. This was a day where... <laughs> My body just decided uh, that life is meaningless. On a cellular level, I'm rejecting today. Yeah. And hopefully it stays there, but uh, fuck, you know, I don't know. Especially with everything going on now, I'm just trying to keep the streak a streak, you know, as if like I'm at a <laughs> like a factory job and you have that sign that's like so-and-so days since an accident. I'm trying to do that with like not losing my mind. Right. It's easier said than done sometimes, to be honest. Did you have a uh, a timeline... And obviously, like we've had to reappraise many times, but when you when this started, were you like, "Hey, if it goes, if it ends up," I mean, I'm sure you thought it was only going to be a couple of weeks, as we all did, but yeah. I still find myself being like, "Well, I guess I got to make it through the summer." Well, I guess I got to do this, but there's still a dumb part of my bozo brain that's like picturing the holidays. And I'm like flying home to see my family and I'm going shopping at the mall. And it's, that's only three months away. What, uh, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, there's no way we, we don't have a vaccine, uh, yet. And even if we did, we don't have enough little glass vials to distribute a hundred million vaccines. So there's no way that Christmas is going to be normal yet in my mind, I keep just pushing back the date that this is going to be over instead of saying like another year i'm still kind of like it's always just i'm surprised every time i have to push that date back uh, no i know exactly what you mean because like covid is not something that you can see taste or touch it's not a tangible thing so it's almost like intellectually i know what's happening but it still doesn't always feel real because it's so cinematic like yeah. you know watching the movie contagion i've seen this shit happen in movies and it's like it's wild to remember oh this is real life And yeah, you know, I want to hold on to stuff like Thanksgiving or Christmas and these days because it's so up in the air and we have such a lack of control or even an illusion of control that I don't know. I don't know. In my head, I'm just like, I guess I guess my dumb brain is like, huh, you never know. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) And I say that as somebody who talked to to a doctor. Yeah, I know. And I talked to a doctor who uh, on the show who said that right now the timeline is better than he expected or that people had expected for a vaccine. And even that would be, I think he actually said winter. Wow. And that would be like yeah. the, if the most expedited process executed perfectly. So then if we have any hiccups or or we're just like, I you say mentioning uh, Contagion or, or it feeling like a movie. I just had a funny thing yesterday where I, I went in LA. They have 
Dodger Stadium is where they're doing like the big free testing. There's there's a few places. There's a yeah. lot of places, but like the main huge one is Dodger Stadium. And I had been there before and seen the whole setup. And um, I went with my wife when she was getting a test like a few months ago. And the first time I saw you pull up to Dodger Stadium, which is like a place that I love and I associate with fun. And you see all the cars lined up and they got big video screens of the mayor explaining the rules and uh, someone kind of walks up to you and they've got kind of like a hazmat helmet and they're helping you out. And first time I went up there and saw that, I was like, man, this feels like a movie. And then yesterday I went to get tested and I was used to it and it was like mundane to me and i was no longer i was no longer being like well this feels like a movie but then then i realized that and i was like i can't believe that i'm not weirded out by this and this feels normal and then i was like well that feels like a movie me me being like <laughs> yeah. the character that's like well this is the post-apocalyptic future that's the most movie-ish thing there is to be mundane about something this crazy so there's there's layers of the movie thing exactly like the levels of that of um you're responding to how you used to respond because it's just yeah. so uh you know it's like the, the david burns song like how do we get here it's truly, <laughs> yeah. it's weird that, you know, like just that my brain, like I said, understands these things, but still can't fathom it. I just can't wrap yeah. my head around it, even though I know it's real. It's just so uh, weird how many times I've had this thought of like, oh, if you showed a picture of my life now, or or you mentioned any of this to me in December or January, even that I would not have believed. I, I don't think I believe that anything could be so uniting, not in the good way of uniting, but like the fact that everybody on earth had to even hear about a thing is crazy. Cause it's like, you know, there's people, it's a big earth and there's like people on earth that don't know who Michael Jordan is. And there's people on earth that, that uh, don't know, like, it's hard to get everybody on earth to like hear about a thing. And it's so weird that we just had a thing where like everybody, on earth was like yeah this thing sucks <laughs> yeah we don't need to take a poll about if this sucks or not we know innately yeah. we're all on board with yeah this is this is the pits not a fan yep. would not recommend not at all i i got i would not good definitely a negative review from me yeah <laughs> yeah don't even start on my yelp review of covid it's definitely not positive <laughs> spoiler alert is that what you on, on this podcast do we, we we discuss it and then eventually we get into our reviews of covid and we give it a rating <laughs> yeah 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 you know what uh, to be honest with you you'd be surprised the average review for all episodes is not zero because somebody actually loves it and i i still <laughs> can't wrap my head around that it's very confusing <laughs> Hey, to each their own. I wanted to unsubtly transition into the Sloppy Boys and your music because your new album, it's so good. It is really just so good. Thanks like, genuinely love it. But I do have a question, and I understand if you don't want to answer it because it's like, you know, if you want me to cut it out, I'll cut it out. I'm an open book. Who's the sloppiest boy then? In the band or of all the boys in the world? Oh, both. If we're opening it up to all boys, then please give me a classic twofer. I guess that the sloppiest boy in the band... Might be me in a broad sense because uh, hmm, I feel like those other guys, there's a degree of uh, sloppiness in us all, of course. But um, I feel like sometimes I look at, uh, I mean, a Jefferson Dutton, that's a, a hardworking dude. He's skilled. He does all the, like a lot of the technical stuff for our band. He's like, you know, recording us in the studio and stuff. And you're like, this guy's, that's not sloppy. And then, the, but he's got, <laughs> man, sure, he's certainly got some sloppy moments in him. Hanford's a, a sloppy. <laughs> sloppy uh, sounding kind of a guy and a, and a sloppy aura about him 
but he's fairly straight-laced. <laughs> so I'm going to give myself sloppiest both aesthetically and functionally. I'm sloppiest. And then thinking of the sloppiest boy in the world, I'm going to say this even though I don't like it, but I just had a flash. This whole thing was so awful. And now we've had some time to look back on this particular episode. But do you remember when that guy who was the... <laughs> The guy, the mayor of Toronto, Ford. Rob Ford. Rob Ford. That I feel bad because that's like a, a man who's now deceased and had some uh, had some real serious problems. But do you remember when he was in the news and we were like, like this is like Chris Farley's the mayor, and everyone was like sharing articles about like what what a mess. But he was addicted to crack, and he was the mayor of a city. And it was sad. And in 2020, I can look back at that and be like, why didn't we help this man more? But still, unfortunately, when you when when I try to think of the, the sloppiest boy in the world, the first face in my brain was the former mayor of Toronto. <laughs> my heart goes out to his family. No, absolutely. The sad part is, though, that A, when you said Rob Ford, my brain went to, wow, simpler times, which is a <laughs> wild thing to think when we're talking about simpler times about, you know, not even to make fun of. But truly, a crack-addicted mayor of Toronto, a gigantic populace, a major city yes. in the world. But then also, though, and this is where my head also went to, the thing I pictured was, again, not to make a lot of it, but a red bloated face. Like, all I picture is the head. <laughs> That's what yeah. I picture when I think of him. In terms of a candidate, that is, a, a, I think, the very definition of a sloppy boy. He came along, I feel, unfortunately for him, he was in a time when there were no pandemics and he was made a mockery of. There's probably some people hitting their rock bottom moments right now and they're not getting any uh, media coverage. And maybe hopefully then they're they're getting the, the help that they need and their families are able to step in because the news headlines are all about more global issues. But that poor man, we were in a time where there was not much else going on and we could all stop down and, and look at him. It sucks that he was made to be such a spectacle and just by extension being encouraged for all of that as truly wild as it is. And, you know, it's just wild to me that that was ever a thing. I know. And then it was, I think the, the reason that it got as big as it was and that we all maybe delighted in it too much was that he, if you look at the problems he had and what, when what was going on there on paper, it's yeah. sad and bad. But the man, like you couldn't have cast, I mean, he did look like Chris Farley. He was kind of a joy to listen to. And the specifics of what he said, I like, I, I forget, there, there was like some quote about having sex with his wife or something like that. But there were th elements of it that did feel like they were cast by a comedy director and they were almost too good to be. Yes. True. So so it was, it was a perfect storm of bad things and that's what elevated him. For sure. By the way, you know they made a movie of it, which I don't think has come out yet. It was made maybe a year or two ago and it, the oh. person, like out of everybody you would cast, and granted it was like kind of stunt casting of a person that we kind of know and they use prosthetics big time and the air quotes fat suit, but Damian Lewis from Homeland and Billions plays Rob Ford <laughs> in that movie. Well... That guy's a great actor, but that does bother me in the sense that you're like, you know, with all, this happens way more like racially with acting and stuff, but I'm like, we got a lot of really good actors who are overweight and would love that role. Why does this hunk have to get that role? Come on. Let's give it to, let's give that, that to a nice, a really good chubby actor. No, for sure. And also though, the idea is not like it was a bankable person because nobody in the history of the world has ever said, Hey, can I get one for that Damien Lewis movie? <laughs> yeah. Right, he's a prestige cable guy. He's not a he's not a billboard face. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be more off you know, more apt to say something like, Can I get one for Mr. Billions? And then somebody of course <laughs> would still wonder 
What? He should start going by Mr. Billions. That's that's better than his name. <laughs> Look, I enjoy it. I mean, outside of what? He played Steve McQueen for three seconds in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I can't name anything else he's been outside of... Band of Brothers 20 years ago at this point. I feel like the ones, um, usually when I'm getting mad about a casting, it is my main beef that I text my friends about the most is just attractive people getting comedy roles. I'm not protective of comedy as a whole, I, and I understand it's a business, and there's plenty of A-list comedians that are not my cup of tea, but I get it, and, and I'm happy if their audience likes them. But when I see a new comedy movie coming out, especially a studio comedy, which is a rare thing these days, we maybe only get like three of them a year, when it is starring just like a hunky movie star or like somebody who was like on a sitcom, so we started to think they were funny, but they're not a comedian. That drives me just nuts. Like speaking to that, I mean, the, you say that, and the person who came to mind where it drives me nuts because like the worst thing you can ever do is tell some people they're funny or that that was funny, and then in their head, that's like it's like could be funny for whatever for X, and then. They're like, oh, okay, well, I'm just funny then. And then it's like, oh, fuck me. And to be honest with you, the person that comes to mind, that came to mind was Ryan Reynolds. Yep. Yep. I think he's incredibly grating. And I think his whole, okay, well, here's the tip off to where I think I'm funny when he does like his S-E pronunciation stuff. Drives me nuts. <laughs> really don't get it. I like, I get it. And then you see like tweets about like, oh man, Ryan Reynolds did a thing where he like was like a jerk to his wife. And she was like, what? And people are like, these are the funniest people. And I'm like, Cool. Fine, fair enough. Let's temper our expectations a little bit. He just sold his gin company yes. for like $300 yeah. million. And that's what you're talking about, where it's like, I'm sure amongst gin billionaires, Ryan Reynolds is probably funny, but amongst comedians, Ryan <laughs> yeah. Reynolds is not funny. And he shouldn't be offended by that. If he listens to this podcast, I think he should agree. I was thinking the movie that came to my head was... Uh, Baywatch when it was uh The Rock and Zac Efron where I'm like do you do you remember oh, that God. it was like a big yeah. yeah and you're like everybody like The Rock is like the most beloved man on earth he's the number one movie star he made <laughs> yeah. like I saw I think in maybe like 2018 I saw that he made like 69 million dollars and he was is was the biggest movie star on earth and probably still is and that's a guy that everybody universally like has positive feelings I have like no relationship with him no thoughts no negative thoughts but like everybody likes the guy but because he was the the muscle man who has stood next to comedians and things they're like oh he could be in a comedy <laughs> and then Zac Efron who was like the hunky teen kid who was paired up with comedians and other things and did well. I like he's made he has made me laugh in like neighbors or a couple other things, but it's like opposite. He's Seth good in Reagan. 17 again. Yes, yes. That's that's exactly like his genre. And he yeah. can be likable and kind of funny. But then to do the buddy comedy thing and both buddies were just the attractive <laughs> buddies, and yeah. we cut out two comedians. Two comedians are now jobless. And then two hunks are starring in a comedy. But I'm glad that that bombed. I think it bombed. Well, what's funny is that the one comedic bright spot in that entire movie is the 45 seconds that Hannibal Burris is in. And that's the moment to me of like, oh, that was really funny. And it's amplified by the fact that nothing else, in my opinion, is. See, maybe I should watch before I go run, <laughs> run in my mouth about this movie. I didn't see Oh, no, it. no. It's not worth your time on any level. Well, I love, I love Hannibal Burris. And Hannibal was really funny in Neighbors as well. So maybe maybe he formed yeah. a relationship with Zach and maybe that led to that. And But even that, it's like, come on, Hannibal should be the face on the billboard starring in the movie. That's a funny comedian. I would see a Hannibal Burris 
Zac Efron movie, for sure, out of abject curiosity of what that even constitutes. Have you seen Hobbs and Shaw? I have. Do you remember, like, one of the biggest laughs I've gotten in a movie that wasn't intentional was, like, the big set piece at the end of that when it's, like, a helicopter is, like, pulling a truck with a chain and then the yes. rock at one point where it's like multiple cars are like chained to each other. And then a helicopter like latches them and is like picking them off the ground. But there's a moment, a moment yeah. where the rock like climbs to the back of the truck or whatever. And he like, it becomes attached, detached, but he's holding a chain in his one hand. The chain is connected to the cars. And on the other hand, the chain is going up to the helicopter and it starts to, <laughs> to pick him up and it picks up all the cars. So like this man's <laughs> wingspan is holding like a hundred thousand pounds of pressure. And then I'm already in like the wide shot. It's already like funny that's happening, but then it cuts to his face and he's like, ah, <laughs> it's just like, so funny that a man <laughs> could be holding down a helicopter and lifting up a truck and then all his only response is just like the same as if you like bench pressed like 200 pounds. He's like, yeah, exactly. Or if like a child jumped on his back without him expecting it, you know, like not right. the most benign like response. But the thing I like about that movie, like I enjoy the movie and it's so absurd and they get it and it's winky and that. But it's also the the funny thing is I was watching that movie and almost laughed at the fact that I'm like, this is like watching a video game that I want to play but can't. Yes. <laughs> and that that's kind of a bummer because I'm like, this is I... so fun. It's like getting all the video game cutscenes. Why did they get to do it and not me? I actually saw that movie at, it was my first experience at one of those movie theaters that was like X cinema or whatever, where the, where the chairs shake and all that. Um, have you ever done that? I'm not, but it seems like that's the truly perfect movie for it. It was the perfect movie for it. I was like waiting. I went with a group of friends and we're like, oh, this will be the perfect movie to go see at the Chinese theater in in their like the, the cinema that has all the bells and whistles. But it was so funny in Hobbes and Shaw because you realize that they when they programmed the chairs and there's a smog machine and there's wind and, and I think they like spray a teeny mist of water on you at one point. But all that stuff is meant for the helicopter scene and the gunfights it's all happening but then sometimes there will be like a, a middle scene where nothing happens for a long time like the rock is just like talking to uh jason statham and it's quiet and they're in a diner and nothing's happening and nothing is happening in our movie theater and then like someone's like in the movie maybe like a cell phone buzzes or something and then you'll feel in your seat like a little buzz or some tiny these like tiny little movements <laughs> where they were like don't forget you're in one of That's these spooky movie theaters and they're like they were just kind of trigger happy with like getting to use their their tricks and that was my favorite part just getting a little bzz, oh someone's phone <laughs> that's so funny almost like you're reminded of the fact that oh yeah i'm in one of these chairs that's actually yeah. supposed to make me feel this <laughs> feel this video game cutscene film yeah that's, that's so funny so I, I just want to wrap it up, I guess, since we've been going for a minute. But is there anything you want to plug or point people toward before we wrap it up? Well, I want to I want to plug the Rocks movies. I feel bad that I went on a tirade about them. Um, <laughs> and for me, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, uh, my band, uh, the Sloppy Boys, we got we got a new album out, but we also we made a trilogy of. This is the third of the trilogy, and that all came out, you know, right 
it was three years in a row. So if you don't know the band, you got a whole trilogy to listen to. It's a party rock band with a with and they're all great. Like truly, albums. they're so good. Oh, thank you. And and we, you know, we put we're really uh, proud of the new album, and we're having we're so happy with the Swiss response. But normally, you would go on tour right now, and we can't tour. So there is this sort of like, oh, what do we do? But what we've been we've been um, having like Zoom zoom uh meetups on on friday nights where the sloppy boys will like will have like a, a a drink and talk to some fans or have some friends stop by and it's a total loose train wreck of a shit show type of thing but it has been very fun and it it, it uh, gives us something to do so it's not like we just put out an album and did nothing i mean meaning to participate in one of those too so I'd, i would love to to do that myself certainly let alone anybody else doing it but like i said i i, I cannot recommend those albums enough like they're so good and they're just so happy and silly and delightful instrumentation's like legitimately great they're really well produced so i highly recommend those we had a lot of fun uh, noodling with that we all sort of uh, identify as non-musicians so that then the more albums we make like the more fun it is to like get a new toy and play with it and it was a nice project to have this spring yeah, so that's my recommendation to anyone who's, if you're struggling with quarantine, just to make a party rock album. Thank you again for being on. Like, I absolutely love this. This was so fun. I had a blast. Thank you. So please wear a mask. Please stay safe. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.